don't want to be a chameleon. We, we, the chameleon changes with his environment. And so the chameleon looks one way at work and a different way at church and a different way at home and a different way with his buddies. And he, he changes where instead of just figuring out how to fit into the world around us, you and I want to be the, the light on the hill. We, we want to be the salt that, that changes. We, it changes the environment. We, we want to stand out for Christ. I want us to go this morning to 2 Corinthians. If you've got your copy of Scripture or if you like to follow in the app, look with me, 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 5. As we think together about what it would mean to be his ambassadors. Uh, Paul calls us to, uh, uh, he calls us to be ambassadors for Christ. And that causes, that brings up some thoughts for us because it's, it's not something that any of us really would, would immediately relate to an ambassador. You know, we're, 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 Farmers and ranchers and teachers and plumbers and and mechanics and and you know none none of us are ambassadors. So it, it takes us a minute to kind of adjust mentally to figure out what does he mean by that. And that's what I want us to do this morning is just take a minute to process what he could be meaning when he says that we are ambassadors. You're familiar with Second Corinthians five and seventeen. Whether you know that address or not, you're familiar with the verse. 17 says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the, the new has come. And we're familiar with that concept that Jesus makes us something new. It's important that we remember that. We're not like the world anymore because he's made us something new. We're a, a new race, we learned two weeks ago. We're a new nation. We're different from the rest of the world. We have been created into something different than we were. And, and so we understand that in 17. What happens so often in scripture is when there's a verse that that really speaks to us. It becomes one of our favorites. It becomes very well known and everybody quotes that one all the time. What happens so often in scripture is we, we kind of fail to notice the next two or three verses. You know, John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. John 3.17 has an, has an incredibly powerful theology that we miss sometimes because we're so familiar with the one right before. It kind of casts a shadow. And I think that's what happens in these next few verses. I want us to begin in 2 Corinthians 5 at 18. Now, he has just reminded us that we're different. You're a new creation. Old stuff is gone. All right? Now, based on that, he says in 18, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It says that, that all of that happened. Your newness happened because God took the initiative. You didn't earn it. You didn't figure it out. You didn't, you didn't, you know, build it yourself. God took the initiative 
to, he chose to make you something new and different. And the way it was possible was because God loved you so much, he sent his son to be the, here's the big word, the propitiation for our sins. In other words, what that means is that God sent his son to pay our penalty, our debt. There is a debt when you sin, you owe life. And Jesus came and said, I'll pay that debt for you. All that happened because God loved us to that extent. It says in 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. I've told you before that I think that is the theme of the whole Bible. I think Genesis to Revelation is the story of reconciliation. In Genesis, we get separated from God because of sin. Throughout the Bible, God is saying, I'll be with you in this way. I'll be with you in this way. I'll be with you in this way. And then in the end, we get to be with him forever. It's all about reconciling the broken relationship. And so he says, this is what, this is what he's done. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so as we hear him say that we are ambassadors, we can, we can kind of focus on some of the phrases that he uses to help us understand what that means and what it looks like. What is an ambassador for Christ? Well, first, ambassadors for Christ are messengers. In verse 18, again, God did all these things. And then it says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God did the work of reconciliation. Christ died for our reconciliation. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave to us the, the opportunity to let people know what he's done. To tell them that they too can be reconciled to him. The relationship can be restored. And again in 19, Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So ambassadors are messengers. The same thing is true in today's world. You know, the United States has ambassadors that we send to to countries and kingdoms all over the world. And when the ambassador arrives, everyone is fully aware that it is not the ambassador's job to talk about the ambassador. But it is the ambassador's job to bring to that other nation the message that has been entrusted to him by the U.S. government. We are ambassadors for Christ because we have been entrusted with a message that we are to take to others. Some of the great preachers of years gone by 
would refer to the pulpit as the sacred desk. And I think that may have been misunderstood by some along the way. And, and, but but it, I think it's a, a valuable concept. It is a sacred desk. Not because the messenger who stands behind it. But because of the message that comes from it. And more than that, from the one who sent the message in the first place. The, this is a sacred desk because of the work that happens here. And the reality is, you have your own version of a sacred desk. You have your own version of an opportunity to be God's messenger. I don't know what that looks like in your life. Maybe, it, maybe your, your pulpit or your sacred desk, your opportunity is, is on the phone during the, during the day. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's on a playground in the afternoon. Maybe, uh, maybe it's at the bakery early in the morning. But we all are ambassadors, therefore we all are messengers. And that doesn't make you anything really that special because it's all about the message and the one who sent the message to begin with. Ambassadors are messengers. Henry Ward Beecher was a great preacher of the 19th century. And he got sick on, on one Sunday. And so a substitute pastor walked up to the pulpit as the worship service began. And when some of the folks in the congregation saw that Dr. Beecher was not going to be preaching that day, they got up and started to leave. And that substitute preacher said, all those who came to worship Dr. Beecher this morning may leave. All those who came to worship the Lord may stay in their seats. <laughs> you see, it's not, it's not about the messenger. It's not about you. As an ambassador, you represent a higher power. And it's your job to carry the message from that higher power, from God in our case. You're just the messenger. We're here to spread his good news. Jesus was only on the earth for three years. And during those three years, he could only be in one place at one time. When he stepped out of glory and into humanity, he also limited himself to time and space. And so he could only be in one place at one time. And so he spent every minute he had ministering and teaching and, and telling the people about the kingdom wherever he was, but his Ministry was limited by time and space. At the end of those three years, he set into plan a way that his message could reach beyond the limit of one person's time and space. And the way he did that was he got his 11 faithful people together and he said to them in Matthew 28, at verse 19, go. Now that verb in the Greek is not a command, go, as much as it is 
a reference to while you are going, while you're in the process of your everyday life, while you're going, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Take my message and get it spread out throughout the world, no longer bound or limited by what one man could do in three years, but now spreading around the world, all nations, baptizing them, discipling them, and teaching them. We are his messengers. Proverbs 25, even in the Old Testament, speaks of the value of being a messenger like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Some of you uh, more agriculturally minded uh, reacted as soon as you said, what, snow in the harvest? That would mess everything up. But understand, he's, he's not talking about a blizzard that's going to come and, and, and wreck the harvest. He, what he's saying is that harvest time in August is the hottest time of the year. And just think how wonderful it would be if, if someone could, could have just a little snow in the midst of that heat. How refreshing that would be. If, if you and I were, were writing the same concept here today, perhaps we would say just, just think about a snow cone in the middle of August. It just brings that refreshing. And that is how the, the one who sent the message feels about a messenger who is faithful. You and I as ambassadors are messengers. We also are representatives. Look again at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God is doing the work, but he's doing it through us. We now serve as his representatives. I, I like a lot of times I catch myself looking at a word and trying to figure out how that word came to be. And just think about represent. You know, when you see a word that starts with R-E, usually that means that you're going to do something again. And so represent would be to re-present. Christ came and he started his ministry, the introduction to the kingdom, the calling of the lost to himself. And then he said, now you guys go and re-present me to the rest of the world. We're continuing his presentation of himself. We are his representatives. You know, I need to just be real honest with you here for a second. You and I need to understand people who don't know Jesus will make assumptions about him based on what they do know about you. They know that you have his name. When you call yourself Christian, you have now said, I am a little Christ. I am an imitator of Christ. I represent Christ. 
And those who don't know him are going to make assumptions about who he is based on what they see in you. You represent him. First Peter chapter 2 and 21. For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He, he left an example for us. He, he left the example that, that we then might follow him. We represent him. And we might say the, the master is the model. We follow him. We are his representatives. And then third, we are foreigners. As ambassadors, we are messengers. We are representatives. We are foreigners. I, I wish there was a better word to describe what I'm talking about here. What I mean is that we don't belong where we live. There's a fabulous book by a brilliant theologian, Harwas, that, that is entitled Resident Aliens. That's who we are. We, we live here. This is our residence. But we don't belong here. We're aliens. Back in, in verse 17 where we were created into something new, when that happened, our home became God's residence. Our, our home became heaven. We were adopted into his family. So this is not our home. This is not where we belong. And so he, he says in verse 21, for our sake, he made him, that means Christ, for our sake, God the Father made God the Son to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the one who deserved to live in glory came down to earth where he didn't belong. And those of us who belong on earth have been reconciled. He took our sin so that now we could be made righteous. And now that we're, we've been made righteous by his blood, our homeland is his homeland. We're just pilgrims passing through. While Secretary of State during the Reagan presidency, George Shultz, kept a large globe in his office. And when newly appointed ambassadors had an interview with him, or when ambassadors were returning from their posts for their first visit with him, when it was time for that meeting to end, the ambassador would be heading out the office and they'd walk by the globe. And Schultz would test them. He'd say, before you go, I have a globe over there. And I want you to prove to me that you can identify your country. And so invariably they would go over and spin the globe and they'd put their finger on the country to where they had been sent. When Schultz's old friend and former Senate Majority Leader, Mike Mansfield, was appointed ambassador to Japan, even he was put to the test. This time, however, Ambassador Mansfield 
spun the globe and put his hand on the United States. He said, this is my country. On June 27 in 1993, Schultz related this to Brian Lamb on C-SPAN. And this is how he put it. I've told that story subsequently to all the ambassadors going out. Never forget, you're over there in that country, but your country is the United States. You're there to represent us. Take care of our interests and never forget it. You're representing the best country in the world. That's how we want to see our lives. We are ambassadors. We've been assigned to a world that, to which we do not belong. We are sojourners, if you will, travelers, pilgrims. John 15, as early as, as the Gospels, John 15 at 19, if, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. If like a chameleon, you knew how to fit in and hide and, and be just the same as you always used to be and just the same as everyone else is, then the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You don't belong here. If you belong to him, you don't belong here. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. We're just traveling through. Ben Vaughn and Peter Case wrote one of the greatest Christian rock songs of all time. They said, we are pilgrims in a strange land. We are so far from our homeland. With each passing day, it seems so clear this world will never want us here. We're not welcome in this world of wrong, for our, we are foreigners who don't belong. We are strangers. We are aliens. We're not of this world. We are envoys. We, are, we must tarry with this message. We must carry. There's so much to be done before we leave with so many more who may believe. Our mission here can never fail, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus told us men would hate us, but we must be of good cheer. He has overcome this world of darkness, and soon we will depart from here. We are messengers and representatives and foreigners, and thereby we serve him as ambassadors. I want to leave you with 1 Peter chapter 2. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation.